you know, you're going to know as an artist, you know, when you're producing something or when you finish something, you're going to know if you think it's good and if you like it and you, you will feel some kind of affinity to it because, it's, you know, it's a part of you and you're being authentic to yourself in producing that work. Welcome to The Flying Football, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, RNS, and in today's episode, I have the chance to talk to Anna Mystery, a mixed media artist I met at the other art fair in London earlier this year. Exploring the landscape through his art, Anna often mixes the bold, solid concrete structures of London with the soft, sun-soaked land of the American West Coast. I had a great time talking to Anna about his work, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation too. Righty oh. So I'm gonna start where I start with absolutely everybody, which is just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Okay. Um so without doing too much backstory, as a kid, I was always drawing. I was always um my dad used to bring home these reams of computer paper that I would just I would always be sketching and drawing. Um and then I suppose in my kind of teens, I kind of developed my kind of love of kind of graphic more I got into the more kind of graphic side of things so you probably see that in my work a lot of photography I was fascinated by all kind of relevant medias that I feel I felt like I could pick up and do um very much inspired by music as I'm, I you know I know a lot of artists are so in 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 those days um, without giving away my age you know album covers I was fascinated by the designs, whether it would be like the edginess and the hard graphics of, say, like a Duran Duran album cover yeah. versus um, like there's hardcore punk bands like Dead Kennedys, where it was all very much collage work. I was just exp- alongside the music. It was seeing these visuals. And while listening, you know, I'm looking at these things going and you can see how they're all related. So that kind of really embedded that you know, desire to be not only wanting to be a musician at the time, but also to create as much as I could. Um, and then I suppose with what I started creating, my my way of expressing that, I started playing in bands as a drummer. I used to do all the artwork. I used to do all the flyers. And at that point, I suppose we're talking late 80s, early 90s. The way I would make these things was either sketching, finding imagery, cutting out, going to the library, going to oh, wow. photocopy a machine with my 10 P's to enlarge things, shrink things, right, print, stick it on, recopy it and do it like that. Oh, like very analog. Yeah, very analog because it was like, you know, I was sitting there in my bedroom going, well, how, I, I know what I want to do. I've got no tools and I don't know what, how, what's the best way to start? You don't learn this stuff at school either. Yeah. So it was kind of like going, okay, well, what can I do? Yes, as a photocopier, I've got a quid, I've got one pound and I've got 10 pieces. Can I do it within my budget? And so that's really how I got started. I mean, I did, you know, like an art GCSE. I think I got a grade B, but then moved more into, well, I, I, I did a degree, which was quite an interesting one where it basically covered everything that I liked. So it was, pioneering in kind of digital uh uh softwares like photoshop it had photography element had a film element had a graphic design element 
Um, and yeah, from there it's, um, yeah, I started my career as a graphic designer and I kind of, throughout my career, I got more into the more management thing. And, and about 10 years ago, I was like, hang on, there's something missing in my life. So and that's when I decided to go back to the art side of things. I don't know. I went off on a one there, but that's kind of no, how that's, I came that's super it. interesting. But like the cool thing about that is that all of these different influences, like photography, graphic design, they play heavily into your work now. That's the great yeah, thing. Exactly. It's like, like the influences that you were influenced by, you know, from the start, are still there now. And I think that's what makes your work very interesting. As I said to you, when I saw you in the art fair, um, you are definitely one of the favorite people I saw there. I think your work is very much speaks to me. It's, it's just something so fascinating about it. And getting to see in person is also extremely cool as well. You know, it's a, it's a privilege because we don't always get to see work in person. So it was definitely cool. I'm glad you really, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, just, just following on from that. So, because I'm into all of those things, when I started making art about art and starting to consider myself as an artist about 10 years ago, it was very much like, well, I started with just paints. I started with just acrylics. It was actually quite an interesting story because my wife had 10 years before that had bought me an art set, one of those beginning things, you know, with a few canvases, some acrylic paints, and a stand and we moved houses and it was literally just stayed in the box I moved from place to place didn't touch it and now I remember very clearly um it was about 10 years ago and I just suddenly had this thing of going well I need to create I'm feeling very much unfulfilled had minor success as a musician where you're oh, as a, in a band you're very much relying on your bandmates around you you don't necessarily have the control. And, I, you know, it was, it was, I was in a bit of a funk, basically. And um, I picked up this, I got this art set. I, I opened it and I thought, right, I'm going to do this. And it was it was one of those pivotal moments in my life. And I still refer back to it where I was just like, I had this idea of creating just like an abstract with some various paints and textures. And after I did that first one, like, I had this weird, everything kind of sparked in my brain. I suddenly thought, one, I can probably do this with some practice and I'm enjoying it. Two, it's, I'm, I'm just, it's just reliant on myself. I don't have to be dependent on anybody. Um, all of these social media tools that I'd been using, I suddenly thought, well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Everything kind of clicked in one moment. Um, so that's when I kind of started creating. So, But then I started thinking about it. And all my old references came back. So it was like, hang on, I just I don't want to just do paint. I see all these other things. I want to incorporate everything that I used to love yeah. in what I do. And that's why I try and do everything in everything that I do. Like, How interesting is it, though, that you chose art to be kind of like the creative outlet that would give you that, you know, kind of just the feeling of, you know, of kind of purpose, I guess, in some way. Yeah, totally. And it filled a massive gap for me. Um, I thought about, you know, continuing on the digital side of things, but I'm spending all my time on computers. So I didn't want to do yeah. that. I wanted to do something physical, practical. I wanted an end thing that I could pick up and hold. Yeah, I think that's actually something that we don't even think about that often in terms of art. Is that like, for the most part, art is a physical object and that you have to actually be present to create it. You don't have to be online. You don't have to be staring at a screen. You know, it's actually quite, it takes you away from the online world, which is kind of good in the society because we're always online. So I think that's actually kind of a very valuable bonus for artists, I think. 
And it reopened my eyes a little bit to uh, so and so cliched. And you, I know you, everyone probably says these things, but once I got into that headspace and just kind of walking about and just thinking about things and seeing almost like opening your eyes and looking outside and going, hang on, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. All of the things I ignored suddenly became relevant to me and, and it, it really influenced my work. And I think it's, um, I know, I know, I know a lot, a lot of artists would say the same thing, but the, the whole, that whole moment, it filled a gap. I felt it filled a gap in my life. That's super cool. I think that's, yeah, it's definitely something a lot of people say, but it's also because like as an artist, you have a very different perspective on the world because you see the world as like a playground as opposed to just everyday life. And I think that's really kind of the way people look at things because, you know, there's a few artists who I am good friends with, like there's an artist called uh, Laurie Bennett-Levy who will look will walk around New York and look at like the textures on the pavement or the textures around her and then use them in her work. And it's yeah. like, you know, art's very observational. I think when you become an artist, you become an observer. I think that's really kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and similar, and similar um, in, in a similar vein with a lot of my work, it's, you know, it's, it's an interpretation. I don't like to just, you know, I start my work with, with usually with some form of photography and my own photography, I would say 99% of the time. And that is based on me walking around and seeing things. I've been lucky enough to travel a little bit as well and using those moments to take time out to just walk the streets and take pictures and build a catalogue of imagery with the knowledge that at some point in the future, I will do something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's kind of, and that, yeah, it's observing whether it's, whether it's, a very famous building or piece of architecture or the what I like to call kind of like the street furniture that you just walk past every day and ignore and sometimes if you're in that right kind of um mindset yeah you can you can see an amount uh, you know there's you can see some beauty in something or an angle in something so uh, I just take the pictures and I think well maybe I can use that going forward absolutely yeah that's super cool though because it well the thing is that you don't I don't think you would ever really know what you're going to create until you sit down and create it. I mean, I don't know how much improvisation you do, and it's definitely something we'll we'll definitely touch upon. Yeah, but, um, yeah, and that's a great thing is at least you have the resources to draw upon because the last thing you want to do is go to create and be like, I don't know what I'm going to create. At least you've got imagery that you can start off with. You can be like, oh, this is interesting. Or like combine random images together and be like, okay, what can I do with these? And you give yourself options, and that is really the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's trying to reduce those times that you're stuck because yeah. that happens, right? Yeah, really of course. Yeah. So yeah. what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? A few things. There are a few things. I suppose it's this. Oh, right. Where to start? <laughs> the, uh, well, there's, okay. So the self-doubt, I think there's times where I know for someone like me and, and being an artist and get, over the last 10 years, I realized I learned a lot about myself. It's the, you know, there's a little bit of, I suppose wanting recognition, being recognized, um, whether it's positive feedback, whether it's negative feedback, I, you want, I think a lot of artists need some validation. And when you're isolated and you're working and you're in the process, often it's that, is this any good? Is this any good? And it's that battling that kind of self-doubt. Will other people like it? And then when I talk about that, people goes, well, if you like it, it should be good. And I'm going, 
yeah, but do I like it? And it's that, <laughs> that, that, yeah. is, that, is, that is definitely one of the harder bits. Um, but I actually like that mental challenge. I'm, I'm learning to like that mental challenge. Um, learning to know when to stop, when to pause, when to leave it and come back to it. Um, so there's that. And I suppose the other side is, it's the, I suppose, the financial aspect because, you know, amongst yeah. me and my peers in this space, it's, I know that you have a lot of artists who want that recognition. They want to make a livelihood out of it. And it's balancing that with the realities of, I need to make this work. I need to live. Yeah. I may have families or how, how can I make that balance? Are you trying to fulfill my ambition in this space, which is super competitive? How do you stand out? How do you get the right awareness of what you're doing again and marketing is a huge challenge and um yeah how do you how do you balance all of those things they're the challenges so that's there's a lot of challenges that's that's, that's why i like asking that question and I'm, I'm positive i asked you when i saw you because i asked every artist in the art fair that question it's my go-to question to ask any artist anytime i meet anybody because it's a great question to start off with it's a perfect icebreaker um i'd advise anybody to use that question because it's great um, but I think also another challenge would be the idea of not losing your own sense of self in your work for money. Because I think that's also a huge factor because, you know, we all want to set, make stuff that's commercial, but you also want to make stuff that you're actually happy with, you know? Yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. And that's one. The other one is it's that constant battle of um, it's exactly that. If I don't make something that's true to myself, then what's the point? Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like, well, is why I'm creating commercial. And yeah. you can, and actually on the positive side, I've had a lot of battles with that. But I think if you feel confident in your work and you're proud of what you've done and it feels authentic to you, I'm confident that there is an audience out there who are going to like what you do but you have to find them and they have to find you. That is a very, very good advice. I must say, because I think we kind of expect to put our work online on social media and people just find it and love it. And it's not that at all. You have to build a reputation. You have to build up an identity. You have to be personal. You have to make people understand you as a person. And then they'll understand your art because they don't understand you as an artist. They're not going to understand the art necessarily. It's, it's kind of, it's a question that I've got on this list at the very bottom. And it's something that I spoke to a good friend called Ryan Dean Haas about. It's going to be annoyed because I mentioned him in every interview. Um, okay. And it's the idea of like the skill or the personality artist, like which is more important, which is going to get you more kind of um, a better audience, I guess, a more engaged audience because mm. we're after engagement. You know, we're not after people just telling us you like it. You're after actually people buying it, you know? Um, so like, actually, I guess the question I must ask you now, completely out of order, which is perfect, is, uh, mm. you know, which is more important, the skill of the artist or the personality of the artist? Uh, it's going to, I'm going to reluctantly say both. <laughs> I, think, I, 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 I say reluctantly because it, you want everyone just to love your work irrespective of who you are. Yeah. But reality is, is if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't, uh, you know, and it comes into a bit of selling. If you can't sell your own work, if you can't infuse somebody about your work, whether it's in person, whether it's on social media, um, 
it's going to make it harder for you. And I think for, for someone like me, I'm, I'm definitely better at doing it in person than on social media. The thought of creating a video and going, hey, look what I'm doing today. Look at this and this great, which a lot of people do. And it works. Yeah. No matter how super cheesy you may think it is or how awkward you feel, it works because people who are interested just want to know that a little bit more. And it's the quickest yeah. way of doing it. Um, I've seen, and I think, it, you know, at art fairs as well, I've only done a few and I'm planning to do lots more. And I think it's the great, for me, I think it's the best way for, for me to show off my art, actually, because you can see a lot more in person. Um, it's about being approachable and it's about, it sounds terrible, but it's how you stand, it's how you smile and it's tiring and it's hard. And I think people can warm to you by your persona and your presence. And then you can help convince them to buy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, it's, it's kind of interesting though, because I think I've got two, I've got two thoughts. I can go either direction with this, um, but it's interesting. So a lot of people I talk to are introverts. And I kind of wonder, like, does is the idea of being an introvert or kind of more introverted play like a role in the way artists are comfortable or not comfortable presenting themselves? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I mean, many artists are introverted because you know art becomes their way of expressing yeah. themselves. And then the the realities of the situation come in because they're going, well, I can't sell any of this stuff. Well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to either be represented by a gallery who's going to do that on your behalf and take half of your money or you have to step up and it's tough it's tough we're no you know you know we were talking about challenges earlier but this is a big challenge so it will i think it can stop success oh yeah absolutely it certainly can yeah I, I know a lot of really great people who could be really really successful but they're kind of holding themselves back unknowingly so mm. like yeah absolutely 100 like percent. i think it's, it's easy for me to say but I'm actually quite introverted in real life. Like I don't really talk to a lot of people all the time, but online I talk to loads of people all the time. It's, it's yeah. being online is easier in some ways, but it's also a lot harder. So I think, I don't know. I think introverted artists just kind of have to navigate. They have to kind of figure out how they're going to navigate this space because it's important that they, you know, get the chance to, you know, have the same opportunities as everybody else, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's important. And you're right. There'll be so many people who've got great work and then if, if they can't sell it or if they don't have, the, I mean, you know, if they don't have the financial means yeah. to promote as well, I think, you know, I, I, I rely a lot on Instagram, but if I actually sat down and analyzed how many sales do I get from that directly? Very minimal. Yeah. It's just layer in the overall presence of what I think you have to do as an artist. Yeah. That's definitely something I would definitely want to touch on at some point for sure, because I think, yeah, the whole idea of like, we rely on things like Instagram, but we don't think that's not the only option. That's not kind of the main selling point of anybody's career. It's not Instagram. It's just one, it's just one rung in the ladder. It's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And it's, and that's, there's a bit of a harsh reality around that too, because you think, hey, great, I'm on Instagram. It's visual. It's great. Um, it's yeah, one tiny bit. So anyway, getting back to the actual questions. So, um, yeah. so can anybody be an artist? Uh, yeah. I think ultimately, I think if you're willing to put the time in and if you're dedicated and if you feel passionate and you feel authentic about what you're doing, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see why not, because you could say the same about me and you could say the same about so many other people 
doing the same as what I'm doing. They weren't and they became. So yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's that's actually a really good way of looking at it, actually. That's a very good way of looking at it. And it's interesting how people have had like whole careers and whole lives. And then they're like, okay, cool. Now I'm in like maybe this particular part of my life. I'm like, okay, cool. This phase of my life. Like, oh, I want to create something. And it's, it's weird how we always go back to the need to create something. Like that's really interesting. Like there are people who watch Netflix and there are people who create. That's how I feel. Um, yeah. It's just, I think it's just really interesting. Like why, where, where does that desire to create come from? Yeah, I don't know. And I think that is really down to personalities. You know, there's like, it's the Netflix example is great. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, this is not me, by the way, but a friend of mine was um, talking about online dating. Oh, and it, the number of profiles where, I mean, like the vast majority were, what do you love doing? Uh, cozying up on the sofa, getting a glass of wine and watching Netflix. I mean, that is just, it's, if that's your best selling point, there's a problem. <laughs> like, and so that's why I think there are there are people who are wanting to go out there or they have this innate desire to go, I want to make something, I want to do something. And there's people who are consumers. And I think that's just yeah. what it is. The creator and the consumers. Yeah, I like that. That's so cool. I'm going to absolutely be thinking about that for the rest of the day now. That's really <laughs> interesting. Um, so actually, let's get into your work. So how would you describe your work for those who may not have seen it? It's mixed media. I would, at a base level, it's mixed media collage, where I start with photographic images, I um, I create I create mockups digitally actually because it just works for me in terms of speed and time. Um, I take bits. It's not just finding one image and then creating a piece of artwork. Work. I could have multiple images where I'm stitching things together roughly. I come up with rough color schemes. I like to spray paint. I like to use acrylic paints to layer up. I like to use graph papers. I like to one thing I'm looking at, I know it's been done a million times, but it's using billboard papers. All of these things just to add different colors, different textures. Although the work is still relatively flat, I still like to have subtle layers in there, uh, brush stroke textures as well. And I like to bring all of these elements together to create a what's typically been a, a new landscape where I might position buildings together almost to create a kind of new a new environment to tell a new story. And on top of that, I, I, I have a layer of screen printing, usually one or only two layers, just to add an extra layer of annoyance and complexity for me. But it's, you know, to have that halftone effect rather than, I, I, I didn't want it to just be plain collage. I felt like I had to find my own angle. And that's part of my angle and it makes it expensive and annoying for me to finish things. But I couldn't compromise on that. If you see what I mean, I have to, I have to have, I have to tick all the boxes to make it the right piece of work for me. That's really interesting. Cause I feel like it adds more depth to your work. Like even though your work is flat, there's a lot of depth to it. And I think yeah. that's the fascinating thing. Like I, for me, I think what I like about your work is like, it's very eclectic, you know, it's not, standard it's not you know you're not doing like a, a certain same thing every single time it's it's you know i can i can just kind of tell you're having fun with it you're not you're obviously you're taking it seriously but it's like it's fun it's a process it's something you enjoy doing it's a lot of thought and consideration gone into it even if it looks chaotic you know i think that's what's really cool about it 
Thank you. Yeah, no, it's def- there's a definitely a lot of thought. Uh, you know, there is definitely the 3 a.m. wake up where my brain will just be filled with how am I actually going to make this? Because I've got this thing in my head. And how am I going to make this? And I will go through that process. And by the time I wake up in the morning, I realized my solution at 3 a.m. is never going to work. But it's, it's part of the um, it's part of the process. And I think and this is another actually you, you touch on a point, you know, the, the eclectic nature I've always been very conscious of because if you the, a lot of the advice that you get in this space, and I've done many chats, I've got many artist friends, I've taken advice from a lot of people. It's about finding your niche, making it, and that's what you do. And for me, I was really, really upset when because I heard that from a lot of people. And for me, that that's the I'm not sure what the right word was. That's the opposite of what art is for me, because otherwise it becomes like a job. Yeah, I know that I want um, art is to be my primary career and I'm taking my steps towards doing that. But then if I'm just having to churn out the same old thing within the same restrictions, that's not art for me. That is, that's just finding a channel and you've got your groove and that's what you do. I think you have to progress as an artist. So if I look back at what I've done over the last, well, for the last 10 years and specifically maybe more the last five years, I think there is a progression in what I've done. I've evolved what I've done. I will do typically 12 to 18 pieces of work a year. I'm trying to increase that time goes on. And each time it takes on a level. You can't, I, I, I would, I would say that there is progression within my work. Um, but I don't ever want to just do the same thing. I think people who look at my work closely will see that progression over time um, because that's what keeps it interesting. Yeah, I think that's interesting because you're not a factory, you're an artist. And exactly. I, think, I think that's the thing that people sometimes often forget. Like, obviously, you want to commercialize your work and, and making money, of course, is, is you know, exactly what everybody wants to do, but you have to find a compromise where you're creating stuff that you're happy with that you want. And that, you know, that is, is true to you because yes, commercialization is great and people are making money if your work is great, but there's a very fine line between being an, an artist and a brand and kind of the whole idea of being a business. Cause obviously you're a business, but I don't know. There's just, there's an interestingly fine line between doing stuff you like because you like it and doing stuff for profit. And I think you have to find the balance between the two is very important. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, I follow a lot of artists and they've got their thing and they've got their style, but I would say they're also, everyone is steadily always progressing. And I think that's important. And going back to what I said earlier, if you've got an audience, and I, I strongly believe that every artist will find their audience, it might be a lot of work, but they yeah. will find their audience. Um, I strongly believe that if that happens, then... As long as you suddenly don't entirely switch and start doing portraits, in my example, that would be a weird thing for me right now. But if you can see that progression, I think your fans will follow you. But I also think like it's your prerogative to do so. If you want to change and do portraits, it's your prerogative. You shouldn't. Yeah. I think artists should never feel like pressure to stick with doing one thing because the biggest, the worst thing you could do is create work you don't like. 
yeah you know whether you're being paid for it or not because at the end of the day like as a person you're you go through different phases in life the things you're interested in now are not going to be what you're interested in in three years time and you should you know your work should reflect yourself you know it is a reflection of yourself essentially so I think, you know, even if people wanted to pivot and do something different, look at musicians who do albums where like each album is completely different. It's because at yeah. different points in their life. And yes, fans will follow, people won't follow, but that's just the nature. We, I think we forget, you know, someone's not going to stick around forever. It doesn't work like that. There's not, you know, the thousand people that are following you are not going to be there in three years time. It goes up and down. More people will follow, less people will follow. You know, people fall off. That's just, not, it's just the way it is. Yeah, no, it's just, and it's a good point. And I suppose... I suppose I would qualify that with by going, well, yeah, if I did want to do portraits, I'd probably do it. It'll be an involvement of the style yeah. that I already do. And I, I'm actually now thinking, how could I do that? Just, <laughs> well, for you, it would be quite easy because all you do is just add more people to your work and then gradually go from there. Yeah. That's that's the way you would do it. That's what I would imagine you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and I suppose taking that point a bit further into the context of what I'm doing, I mentioned like I'm doing a lot of landscapes, but in the last year I've been going, Actually, there are so many things close up. There's so many elements close up that actually, if you just kind of isolate that down, it can have the same effect. So that's something that I'm exploring at the moment by, you know, finding a single object and just going, actually, I'm just going to make a piece on that single object. And I, for me, and, that, and, that, and that's, it gives me an extra string to my bow because I can still do it in the same style. And it still, I think, evokes that same feel. But it doesn't restrict me from just going, well, I need to make sure I've got the buildings and the people and the bits here and, you know, and the palm trees, et cetera. Yeah, because now you just said that, that just made me think. I think the problem is, is that we feel like, or we forget that style and subject matter are two different things. You know, the subject you're exploring is not the same as the style you're using. And I think if you find a style you like and a style you're comfortable with, any subject matter you can, can be created with that. It's just yeah. how you kind of approach that. And I think we confuse that. No, you just said that. I'm like, that's really a good point. Um, because yeah, I think, you know, we forget that, you know, yes, you're right. You can create portraits tomorrow in your style and it will still be cool. People will know it's your work. It's, it's about creating some kind of recognition for who you are and how, you know, and your work, like seeing an image of me like, oh, that's, you know, your work specifically. Um, so, you know, I don't know. That's kind of, that's a really good thought. I've just thought about it. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask that question <laughs> next time. That's good. <laughs> I suppose the style becomes part of your brand as well, because I think you on that kind of business side of things, I was kind of I was was conscious of everything that I'm doing to have that sense of evolving from the last set of work. Because I think, but also being familiar, because that it does become part of your identity. And do you want that recognition yeah. with with everything that's out there? You you know the best thing was for someone to go, Oh, is, is, is that like animal mysteries work there? Because it's got that similar thing. And they go, Oh, it is him. You yeah. might have your branding, you might have your mark, but it has to come out through the work as well. Especially like on Instagram or social media where people won't see your name and they won't actually see any context for it. They'll just see the image. You know, you want to make sure that people actually be like, ah, that's exactly his word for, ah, you know, that's this person's back, you know, and it's a great way to kind of put your mark on your image. You know, yeah. and there are people who do that very successfully. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of, uh, you know, there's, I often get people go, oh, your, your work reminds me of X and Y. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can see that, but that's not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to say that. <laughs> I don't want you to say that. But then I think, again, that it just takes time. It takes time to develop your presence and develop your style and get your style known. 
actually that leads me onto a question that is again right at the very bottom of this list um okay. from a very good artist friend of mine called Riona Othello whose work is gorgeous um mm-hmm. and, and her question was like do you like being compared to people yes and no firstly no because of what I've just said because you know there is that mild arrogance of wanting to be super original but in reality everything's been done in yeah. one shape form or another yes but then yes of course because if you're being compared to successful artists then it makes you feel like you're doing something right and there then there's hope and there's potential yeah because i think a lot of artists are polarized on that question because yeah. it's like some people love it because you're as you said you know if you're being compared to somebody who's great that's yeah. a compliment but then yeah. you know you don't want to be devalued just at the base level of all oh, your work looks like somebody else's you want people to actually see what you're actually doing that's different from the other person exactly. because you know it's 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 always saying your work has elements of somebody else which is cool but like realistically your work is not theirs so exactly. you know you have to find what's original about this piece of art in front of you you know i, I don't know i I always wonder because I'm like, oh, I always said, because I have a habit of sending people and I'll do it to you actually. I've got a few ideas already. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always send people artists, other artists work and be like, oh, I think you might like this. And then I always think, am I helping them by doing this or am I just making them feel worse? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just like, should I probably stop doing this. Um, but if you want me to, I'm happy to send you some cool suggestions. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, please, um, please send it through. I'm always doing that. There's always, right. you know, that level of discovery. If someone's recommending something, that's cool. You know, why are landscapes so important in art? And what do you think we can learn by studying the environment? Um, okay. I don't know. With, that's a good question. With landscapes, I suppose what is appealing for me, I don't know, it's that thought of, you know, seeing what's on the horizon. It's, I suppose it's that thing of, look, when, you, when you're pondering, when you're looking out and you're considering life, you do often look off into the distance. I always have this thing of like, uh, I grew up near Brighton. So there was always this moment where you're sitting on the beach and you're looking out to the sea. And again, it's not necessarily a landscape, but it's, that, it's those moments of reflection. And I think that's why landscapes feature a lot in art because, you know, it's, it's, it was, it's almost like you're looking out. It's a way of looking forward. Um, you appreciate what's in front of you. And I think when you're paying attention to a landscape, you're in that mindset of being reflective. I mean, if I was just having to rush and walk to the station or go about and do my business, then you're you're, you're too wrapped up. But that act of going, looking at it and just going, it, you know, lets you stop and think. And I think that's probably why landscapes get... Um, you know, there is a lot of landscape and art generally because it's that moment to stop and reflect and look and appreciate. And I think I, I, I and I think that's why that's why I probably like to do that work. And I think I remember when we were talking before, it's um I'm trying to mix things up a little bit by going, yes, the landscapes and the buildings and building these collages of environments that may not exist but could exist in a kind of sideways fantasy not even not even fantasy but a sideways view of the world um i'm also trying to uh, you know look a little bit closer at objects themselves and to see if can i make something out of those two and it's usually the objects and it's and for the landscapes it's the buildings that we typically you know you typically take for granted or walk past or just 
furniture from everyday life that is you take that is just there but actually there can be an inherent beauty in those things it's in a very observational event isn't it it's like you're trying to redefine the everyday kind of make people stop and actually appreciate what's around them as opposed to just walk past it yeah absolutely yeah and i think it's um it's a mindset thing 100 a mindset thing so i remember speaking to someone once I remember I was having some you know there was some issues going on in my life and you become very kind of like inside yourself and someone was telling me about well actually you know a this is a period of your life that doesn't matter but there's a period of, it's when you actually start looking up and you start appreciating the things around you it could be the flowers that you see sprouting in spring and the colors suddenly seem so vibrant and you actually, you come out of yourself a bit um, and you start appreciating the world around you. And I, that was actually a pivotal thing. And I think that, that you know, I remember this, someone saying this and actually, you know, literally a few months later taking that on board. And I think that helped me look up a bit more, look out a bit more. See, that's interesting how art can do that, how art can be kind of um, like an escapism for people or kind of mm. a way to process their inner emotions. You know, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but actually, I wanted to ask you as well, like, how did the pandemic affect your work? Um, the pandemic was interesting. It, I, I, mean, I obviously, like everyone, we had a lot more time at home and studio my studios in my house is sort of you know I make do with the space that I've got and it really forced me to think it, it did a number of things one I actually took out a couple of months to experiment sometimes you can get on a bit of a treadmill going I've got this idea I'm going to keep going keep going keep going make 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 and then I thought actually no I'm going to stop I'm just going to try some things and I took the firstly took the time out to go and actually I'm just going to I just got loads of bits of thick board and I just started painting using brushes, which I don't do too often. And it was actually quite good to do that. Um, I went through my archives of photography and I just thought, oh, surely there's some bits in there maybe that I've tried to do before, haven't made work. So I started revisiting that. I went through everything actually and picked out little things that I could do something with this. So that was quite good. Um, but that took me so far. So then it was like a lot of my um, photography and then the art I was creating was based off so a lot of my travels, a lot of kind of West Coast US stuff and a few other places. And of course, I couldn't go anywhere and my my job situation was changing. So it kind of made me focus on London a bit more. So I kind of thought, well, this is the time to do this. So once there was a little bit of freedom, I kind of got up at really early in the mornings and found myself in London and just started taking photos and just walking a lot. And I just had the headspace to get my head around what I needed to do to try and get the essence of London that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, and that influenced a whole ton of work, which, you know, I was putting out. It took a while to produce, but you know, creating last summer in summer 2021 and putting out towards the end of last year and this year. So, yeah. So it was good for, it was good. It was good for the headspace, you know? Yeah. Because I think a lot of artists, it's actually, I think it actually helped a lot of artists the time because mm -hmm. I think, you know, we all get wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives and we don't always have the time to do the things we want to do. And, you know, art takes time. 
you know, it, it takes a while to create and your work, especially because your work. So the thing I really like about your work is that it's, it's not only just visually interesting, but like the fact that you use so many different medias is really fascinating because, you know, it's a blending of digital and, you know, traditional work. And I'm kind of actually just curious, like what is your thoughts on kind of the debate between traditional art and digital art? Yeah, I kind of feel this comes up a lot because I know a lot of digital artists who just do pure digital work. I use the digital element for planning and shaping, but not for the final execution. It's a way of kind of trying to find out how things work. And I think the, the, I was going to say the industry, but not in the industry, the, uh, the art world as a whole, I think they still frown upon pure digital work. I think there is a negativity associated to it. Um, and I think the analog nature of art in people's minds, that's where the value comes. Yeah, that's true. I was talking to um, a gallerist last week about potentially working with them on some bespoke pieces and and they were telling me and this echoes this this I don't know if this is a common feeling but I was talking about my work I was talking about the fact that I you know as I've been with you I I take my own photos I plan it out I manipulate but then I create and it's all part of the stages and they're they're super into collage work I was really happy about that uh, but then they also said, and we just started talking about the old thing about price points. And I said, well, this is what I do. And this, my basis on size, the cost it take, the time, not so much the time, but the cost of materials and where I feel like I'm in my career, because pricing is always a tricky subject. And they they were very much like, actually, yeah, we totally get that. And we think your pricing is good. That's great. But what we've been, what they said to me was, we've been encouraging similar collage artists to you, or people who use collage as a medium, to become even more analog. You know, introduce more paint, more brush strokes, more. Um, you know, they even you know made the example of canvases, and I was like, well, I don't really do canvases. I do my stuff on boards and thick paper or whatever. And they're just saying, actually, the perceived value of a piece of work which has, which is classed maybe more as a painting, is higher amongst their buyers. And it was a really like, you know, that's one person's, one gallerist's opinion. And so then if you relate that back to the digital art, not digital art conundrum, it just kind of proves that I think that's the way that the art world thinks. And maybe that's how consumers think too. I think that's actually a very, very, very good point, actually, because like, especially when you look at something like photography, just as a medium itself, where it's quite undervalued, but you look at paintings that are, you know, photorealistic, for instance, but yeah, they'll have a higher price point. Yeah. Imagery wise, they're the same thing. Um, so actually you have a really good point. I think maybe it's the tactile nature of art that really kind of determines its value. Yeah, I think I think it does. And I, I think it's because I think if people can see the textures, they can see the effort that's gone into it. And maybe they've got a perception of how someone created that just by looking at it. Um, I think they feel, well, oh, actually, that must have taken a lot of time and effort. Therefore, they respect that and value it more. And it, it kind of chimes with a bit of my thinking about like f- the future work I'm going to do. And it's, again, it's how do I mix, keep mixing it up and just trying to 
build my own, you know, build value in my work, what's going to appeal to to art buyers without compromising what I do. So, yeah, it's, it's a never-ending thing for me to, I think, for a lot. But I think that's actually a really good point. And actually, now you've said that, I'm going to suggest that to a lot of people I know in terms of who create art, because I feel like a lot of people are very kind of, I know they kind of like worry about like, is their work good? Is their work sellable? And it's like, you know, I think that's not really what you should be focusing on. It should be like the way in which you sell it is how, mm-hmm. so what's going to determine how people are going to perceive it is kind of what you're saying about it is how you're perceiving it. And I guess like how important is context for you and your work in terms of like when you're posting your work online? When you say context, what do you mean? So like specifically. So for instance, like when you post an image on Instagram, obviously yeah. you have captions, you describe it, you talk about it. Okay. You know? But if you were to post it, say on, I don't know, I ran a website or like, say somebody, let's say somebody took it off your Instagram and posted it on their art blog, for instance, mm. without any kind of description. Like, is that something that you like, or is that, you know, is it important for people to understand what they're looking at? Yeah, I think it is important. I mean, I'd be great if someone did share my work, so I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. But what the things I've struggled with on, you know, managing social media, other than the time, it's that there is a lot, a lot of, um, it's a lot of detail that goes into the work that you can't really see. You can't perceive on that little small square or whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you can't necessarily see the texture. So video helps by, you know, doing close up videos of all of these things. I think that really helps, but, um, that's where the explanations come into place. So I always try and give a little bit of context, whether it's where the source photographer was from and why I did what I did, but not too long. because so I don't think people read that much, really. Yeah. You know. But then I always try and have a little description of this artwork includes uh, original photography, screen printing, silver foil, layered paints, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because I think it's great to know because, yeah. you know, if I was just scrolling past that and I did, that wasn't there, I wouldn't understand it. I would, or like, I wouldn't understand the amount of detail you've you've gone into and the amount of time you've taken to source different materials to create this piece of work. I'd be like, cool, it's just a painting, or cool, it's just collage, you know. And I think that is a really good point in terms of like, especially the materials you use for somebody such as yourself who uses such a variety. It's definitely important to make people aware of that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, it's a way of it's a little bit of explanation. It's almost in some ways, it's a little bit of you're showing off your skills a little bit as yeah. well. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, like, you must have a lot of different skills you can utilize at any point. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it's been good. I mean, as we were saying uh, previously, it's like I kind of pulled in all the bits, all the artistic things that I like doing, uh, whether it's photography or graphic design or all the various print elements and that cut and paste nature and trying to, I'm doing the stuff I like and it does, that does mean it takes time and I've had to, fine tune and i've had to learn how to do specific things well to to be kind of good enough and like anything the more you do it the the better you get at it and the easier it is but it's taking the time to do those things well as well so do you actually have any like particular routines that you use to have you focus on your work yeah yes and no and i think i've learned over the years it's kind of like because there's so many parts for me, it does start with the photography and it's a lot of it's around the frame of mind that you're in at each stage. 
So for the beginning, if it's about original photography, yes, I might be out and about, but I might not be in the mood and I might just miss things. But sometimes you can be in the right frame of mind and go, hey, this is great. Equally, if I'm doing something purposefully, so if I'm getting up early, I will have a coffee and I know that will stimulate me. And I'm on a mission and I will, I will, I will be focused and I will take a lot of pet photos. I think I said, again, it's like sometimes it's the accidental photos, which are the, the better, the better ones. So it's keeping those minds open. Um, in a way, I've, I've noticed that, <laughs> um, for example, on the very rare occasion, if, I, if I'm out for lunch somewhere and I'm an hour about and I've had a coffee and I may have had a little bit of alcohol, the, the freedom in my, the things that I see are very different and I don't make a habit of it. Maybe I should, I think, maybe I should, I might enjoy things more. Um, but I take some, I, you know, you see things that are slightly different perspective. So I'm definitely a much more creative then. When it comes to then making, there's a lot of thinking that goes on. It's not something that you can just go, right, okay, um, let's, what's in front of me right now? I'm thinking about once I've got an image that I like, I know I can do something. My brain is in overdrive and I have to build myself up to getting to the point where I'm going, now I'm mentally ready to make this. I know what I've got to do at all of these stages. I have to do... I. I have to go through that mental process. Otherwise, I'm just, every time I don't do that, I just kind of waste time and I get frustrated. So I've got to invest myself in, really do, for each one. So what I find actually really interesting is that if, like, the photograph is, is most, like, most usually the kind of starting point, like, how do you know the photograph is good enough to create a piece of work around it? Okay. That, so that's, once I've taken the photo, then there is that point of, taking it back home, looking through, feeling inspired by it. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of sorting where I go maybes, yes, definitely's, and I just keep them filed. And then I just pick one, the one I feel most strongly about, and I will probably go into Photoshop and go, okay, I think this can work with this and this, and I've got this other image here, and I start putting stuff together. And again, that you have to be in a certain mindset to do that. You can't just go oh, I've got a spare half an hour here. I'm going to do that. You've got to go, no, I'm going to, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about this. And this has been on my mind. Let's go into the first stage. Let's see if I can make something out of this. So when you actually go out and do a photo shoot, like what are you looking for? Or is the fact that is, or do you try not to look for anything? I try not to look for everything. Sometimes if, if there's, I try and have a focus point, not to make the, the, you know, the specific photo trips a waste of time. I'm like, I definitely need this. I definitely like need this. And I've got ideas because either I've been there before or I've seen something somewhere and I go, I need to see that for real. Then it's like going, well, what else is around? What else can I do in the time that I've got? Um, and then you just try and be tuned to your surroundings. And there's a little bit of, I, I suppose the word like there's a bit of bravery on my side I suppose it's kind of like it's that balance of you don't want to waste time you do want to find the best possible things I have this kind of it's this kind of sometimes I, I do find a reluctance to 
oh, okay, I'm just, you know, I've done loads, I'm tired, but I'm here, I've got to keep, I should keep going. And sometimes I find myself, I'm forcing myself, you know, it doesn't look great, that thing, but I'm going to take a picture anyway. And I think I, it's often it's those ones <laughs> are the images yeah. that I end up using. <laughs> it's weird, I can't, it's a hard thing to explain. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a, in, in this internal feeling where I'm just like, either you get a bit tired or a bit fed up or, oh, I'm not sure it's going to work. And you kind of talk yourself out of it. And then I've got to kind of talk myself into it again and like literally raise my hands to take the photo. It's a very weird thing. It's a very weird thing. Out of curiosity, like how often do you show like that, that process or the part of the process where you kind of get from having an idea and going out and shooting the actual image? Do you ever actually show like the photo shoot process? I used to do that occasionally on, you know, like part of an Instagram story yeah. or whatever. And I try and do it. I don't know. I didn't, one, I don't think that those posts didn't necessarily do that well. Um, but I know that it's funny that I've had a few, a few of my friends and a few colleagues going, that I'd be really interested to know where did you start? Yeah. What every single step? I, I completely agree. I think that's so fascinating because your work can go in so many different directions. I would love to just kind of see like you do like a process of it. Um, okay. But actually what I'd love to see <clears throat> more than anything would be like, now I'm thinking about it, like some kind of almost, it sounds, I don't know if it sounds weird or not, but almost like TV series, like deep dive into somebody's process where you have like, you know, say maybe like, you know, seven or eight half an hour sections of like each kind of a part of their process. Something oh, like yeah. that would be really cool, actually. I should totally do something like that. Something like that would be really cool. Yeah, like, be cool. well, you know, like say you have like a, a camera crew following around an artist from like their first initial idea to the final image, like the actual whole process. Something yeah. like that would be really interesting, I think, because I think somebody like you, I think the final image is awesome. It's super cool and it's eye-catching, but it's actually a lot about the process. You know, how you get to that final image is also where, kind of like the enjoyment and the strangeness and the interest is um, and I think sometimes that's lost if you just look at a final image no it's true and you know what? I did do a lot of making of videos for a while and you know it's, 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 it's easy to edit these things together and I think people did enjoy them I think I think what actually annoyed me after a while was I would often either forget to switch my phone camera on because I was like in the moment yeah. there'd always be a lot of stop and starting and I, I realized at some points I was actually spending more time just trying to sort out the, the what I'm filming yeah. myself rather than actually doing the work. That's like, that's why you need like an external person to come in and film you. Yeah. That way you can just get on with being in your natural state. And then they, it's literally just observational cameras. That's all it is. Yeah. I um, think that would, that would be definitely much more preferable, but I'm, I'm thinking now for the stuff I'm, I'm starting to do the new stuff or maybe for one of them. I could kind of make that effort to kind of go, okay, let's go right, right to the beginning and show the various steps. Maybe I could do it on a, on a smaller piece and see how it goes. Um, but, yeah. then I, but then I also think having said that, I also feel like the way you post it will be very important. Cause I feel like Instagram isn't really the place because people aren't going to see it as much or it's not going to get um, the right kind of exposure you want. Because I feel like, even if it was like a Skillshare class or something like that, like something like that would be great. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a nice idea. I guess what you wouldn't get is the hours of frustration and thinking, unless there was someone filming me literally racking my brains and 
being annoyed because actually when you break it down into all the steps you can go oh, okay that's cool that's cool that's cool that's cool and you can compress it into like a a 60 second video if you really wanted to or a, a two minute video um and i wonder if that is a bit of an injustice to the the, yeah. the pain that i've gone through to make it <laughs> and the like, mistakes like like 100% because i think that's the thing like on instagram especially we see like you know 60 second 60 second videos of artists creating their work and like that's cool but it's cool to see to see the process but we don't really get to see the hard work and i think it's it kind of does kind of undervalues the amount of time and effort you're putting into it it's like there's a really great college artist who um whose work i really love and i interviewed a while ago called jay riggio and um he does like resin sculptures collage resin sculptures um and like his speed edits are amazing but you know it's taken him stupid amount of hours to create that and it's like you know 10 hours in a 60 second video it's like you don't really see how much work has really gone into it yeah okay yeah 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 i, I totally agree i totally agree but i i like i don't know i think there is the, there is for the right audience and at the right time that's uh i mean it's it's good content either way and it, you know as an artist you you're constantly having to sell yourself oh yeah of course you you, you have to make yourself visible and I think it's important. And I know, I know that's something I need to improve on, but yeah. I think it's something that everyone needs to improve on, really. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Some people, I think you can make it a habit. I know super shy people who have just, they're just in the nicest possible way, they're churning this stuff out. Yeah, actually, in those little snapshots, it's all right. It's good. It's good. And I will watch it, you know. But then do you remember it, though? No. I just know that they do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really the issue, I guess. Now I'm thinking about that. The issue is that you don't remember stuff if it's going by quickly. Like we're all doing it, we're all doing it to get like the views and stuff. But like, yeah, your stuff might have a million views, but how many people are going to remember that? Yeah, no, no, people again, it's everything is so temporary, right? It's and you know, there's that whole thing of people don't remember phone numbers anymore, they don't remember facts anymore. They because they don't need to, because it's always in their palm of their hands. So uh yeah that's, that's scary <laughs> yeah it's so, scary so you said you're working in a studio um, mm. so what is the atmosphere like when you're creating work my studio is a mixture of my garden shed my garden and my dining room <laughs> it's uh that's great it's it's i i'm i'm, I'm planning a studio space it's 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 going to take a, a little bit longer financially to sort out but um um i don't know i think it's i you know i have music playing or when i when i get to my my garden space i'm just like well, it's just me and i'm by myself and i like it that way <laughs> it's um it's i need to concentrate when you're in the when you're in the zone you i i just don't i'm i'm there and and i've built my as i said i build myself up to it and i need to be able to execute so with you know with my family i'm just like i'm doing this i'm just i'm blocking these hours out this is my time not doing anything else and it's it's fine now mostly <laughs> <laughs> mostly <laughs> so there are two artists i spoke to a while ago um one called ellis king and the other one called mark thompson and actually the last artist i've interviewed previously is the last one i've done two interviews this week so the one that i interviewed before last uh we were talking about this idea of loneliness as an artist because you're working in a studio all the time like is that something you ever encounter or like how do you kind of try to manage that if you do 
Yeah, I, I think I get it to a certain extent. I think there's many aspects of my life with with the day job and the art thing. They're both very isolating. I'm, I'm at home by myself all the time. And um, I think it's hard, often hard to reflect and it's hard to bounce off ideas and get opinions. And I think that can be important, getting those opinions. If there's people around you, it's just like, not that, and if it's providing us opinions of people that you trust, then I think that can be super valuable. I really do. Um, but, but equally, I can see, as I was saying, you know, to be able to concentrate and to not have the distractions, it's better to work that way. Of course, yeah. So yeah. then do you feel like you're part of a larger art community? Um, in the town that I live, I know a small handful of artists that, and with one or two of us, we do, I mean, it's that small. There are other, you know, it's a weird one because there is a lot of, in, in like Berkhamsted where I live, there is, you know, there's different ranges of different art communities. There's the more hobbyists who want to sell. There's the one, there's the, a small group of artists who want to be ambitious, you know, build proper careers out of it. And I'm, I'm more towards, you know, those people. We're all, we're all sharing ideas. We're all sharing tips. We share our frustrations. Um, we share our experiences. And so in that respect, I feel part of a very small local art community. When I'm going out to the shows and I'm trying to get out a bit more to, whether it's, whether I'm exhibiting, we're trying to go to opening nights. That's when I feel more part of it. Because the more you do it, the more familiar faces you see. And I don't know, there's a sense of belonging. Certainly when you're exhibiting at a big show, most of the time, I would say most artists are super friendly. They're all desperate to talk and have a chat and share. Some, not all, but I would yeah. say 95% of the time, you meet some genuinely lovely people. And you realize you're all in it. You're all, you've all had the similar experiences and everyone's willing to give advice about how they overcame something. So that's always good. So then kind of going off the idea of community, like what are your thoughts on social media? Um, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's a super valuable way to get your art out there to give the, the hope and perception that, it's a way to reach your audience. Um, I think, I think there is the misconception that it's easy and it's your only means of outlet to advertise yourself. And because you're up against a giant corporation and their algorithms at the end of the day, who want to make you spend money. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you have to accept that and you're never going to get anything for free. Um, so I think if you can work with it and accept that it's, well, I think you have to work with it as part of your outgoing marketing strategy for sure, but you can't rely on it. You can't just rely on that. You won't get very far. So how do you think that it could improve for artists or how do you think artists can use social media in a more kind of uh, productive way? I think to understand the platforms and how they work um, is a big one and keeping up to date with that. Uh, and it feels like you're at, you're beholden to them a little bit, them being the, the company, you know, 
whoever owns Instagram, uh, Meta, Facebook. And, um, but I think you have to work with it and, and you have to accept that there are rules that you have to abide by and you have to work with the tools. It means you have to be a bit more digital savvy. I think you have to, I think there's a lot of people out there going, you shouldn't pay for anything on Instagram. You should just work with the algorithms and systems. I actually disagree with that. I think you need to do both. I think if you can find, because that's why these tools are there, they, they want to be, they want to make it more effective for you to find your audience, to find people who like your work. So you have to work at targeting. You have to work at um, finding your audience. And I think you do have to spend a bit of money to do that. I'm in the process of doing this. I'm not sure about the result. I'm, and I'm not saying it's the be all and end all. It's just a slice of your marketing activity i think you've got to play by the rules otherwise you're just not in that space that's really good advice actually and i think now you've said that it makes me think the good thing about creating like instagram ads is that it actually makes you think about your audience i mean it forces you to think about your audience and like who is your mm -hmm. audience because a lot of the time people just create work and they don't actually think who they're creating work for they're just hoping somebody's going to like it yeah um, and like how do you kind of figure out your audience if you do yeah i know it's a good one so i you know i've done test campaigns I'm really trying to, you know, you, you kind of think about the various subject matters that people search for and want to look for. That's how it's done. And you yeah. kind of group these together um, and you do little small campaigns and you kind of hone it down. I, I, I would say I'm still on that journey there because I think what, what you do end up finding is for over 50% of the people that see then end up seeing your work, they are other artists. They're not necessarily your buyers, hmm. your, your actual true audience of who's going to want to purchase your work. That's the harder thing because it's, they're the harder ones to find, but I'm, I would say I'm making steps towards that, but it's an ongoing journey. That is perfect. So I have a question from the last artist that I spoke to, which was only a few days ago, actually. I was in a photographer called Nico Evermore. Um, his question for you was, how are the current events around the world influencing your work and why is it affecting it in that way if they are? Okay, good one. Um, I'm going to say it doesn't actually affect my work that much. Um, not, in a, not in a practical way because I think my subject matter is very much you know it's it's trying to take one step out of reality in some ways um at least that's what i like to think um and i'm trying to represent what's kind of real and happening you know and you know these are objects i'm not trying to make any kind of political statement or anything but i would say on a more kind of psychological level it does make me think about the value of art more and you know the time i spend the money i spend making this stuff and how valuable is it when you consider what's going on in the world and where you know potentially for the people who are struggling art is how important is them right now when it's a kind of survival thing you know and it kind of makes you think well am i being like you know should i be doing more I think on that level, perhaps not that art can't raise awareness. And I think, you know, there's so many great causes out there where you, that you can contribute to 
Um, but yeah, that, that's my, that's, that's how it affects me. It's like, how is me doing what I'm doing helping in any way? And I've got to be honest, it probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. But then I feel like if not really, because it helps you. So therefore it just helps somebody. If it just helps you, that's not an issue, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, and it helps. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for me producing, it's, it's like for, for any art who produces, any artist who produces work, I think it, you have to, you know, you've got to do it for yourself, really, about whether you, uh, you could do it for yourself because you want to do it and whether you want to do it in a commercial way or a non-commercial way, that's entirely up to you. Yeah. So do you have a question for the next artist I interview? Oh, I did, you know, I was suddenly thinking, God, I haven't actually done that. Um, I, was, I, I think, all right, here's one. And it's kind of, kind of, kind of, this is something that actually would interest me because I know what my motivations are as an artist and whether it's, it's an, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit weird, but it's, it's that whole, I need, I'd like to be creative. I want to be successful at being creative and I want to get recognition for that because I know that makes me tick. So my question would be, why why do you get up in the morning and want to make art? As in, and I mean that from a kind of, where's, where's the drive? Where's the drive coming from internally? Because I think it's quite an, ab- if, if, if you really boil it down, it's quite an abstract thing that you're making, you're making art compared to your everyday having to do stuff where does that where does that desire to create come from yeah i agree i'm really fascinated because you could choose to do anything mm-hmm. with your life but you chose to do art something that's so uncertain and so you know kind of just might not yeah. matter to anybody right but yeah you're so passionate about it and you are so like fiercely wanting it as a career like i agree like i don't understand where that, yeah. that come from and why do some people, I mean, we, we we talked about this before as well, why do some people have it and other people don't? When I, I remember at school yes. being told, um, actually it was my friends. I remember my friends at the time just going, because I was super into art. And they were like, well, what are you going to do if you're an artist? What are you going to do with that? What job are you going to get? What What's your thing? And likewise, like careers advisors that you get school equally mm. like well you'll never get to university you'll never you can't do anything with it like an art a level or whatever i mean this is the advice i was given and and i think it threw me off for a while for sure 100 percent threw me off for a while and no one really knew what can you do but then i think it's it's two things yeah there's i mean there's a million things you can do but you have to have the desire. And I think you, that will equally prove to me that there's a lot of people not wired that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really true. And actually, it segues nicely into the next question, which is, uh, what does it mean to be a successful artist? Oh, yeah. So for me, yeah, it's for, it's for I, I, one, to be recognised as an artist in the art community. I think that would be good. Um I think when people see the value in what you do and they love what you do, 
and they they you can you can see that they really love something because you know you do spend a lot of time in doubt and self-denial yeah. that's validation and i think for me that's a that's part of being a successful artist and thirdly i suppose it's that the financial aspect too i want to if i want to make a living out of this then yeah. finance success equals success <laughs> to some point so then how do you measure the success of your own work oh wow yeah okay another good question um firstly on the execution whether i'm happy with it whether have i done the best out of from when i start had the vision to the final piece have i given it the full justice did i go off on a tangent did i compromise and it does happen on some pieces and i try and work my way around that like i'm trying to go no don't compromise if it's going to take longer it's going to take longer let's just make sure that you're happy and i get more to satisfaction when i'm happy with the final piece even if i've been through a too long a journey it's probably better to have gone through that so that's that's some way of judging have i had a successful process in creating this and therefore the final piece is good and then is that echoed by people who view the work people who decide to purchase the work that you know that is the the final kind of reaffirmation that actually people i liked it and people have liked it enough to spend money on it and i've seen in the past there'll be maybe there'll be the ones where i kind of like yeah it's okay it's kind of good enough it'll be it'll do does that is that sentiment echoed by people who view the work i would say 70 percent of the time yes there's definitely times where people have bought things or like okay that's cool and was never never my favorite but i'm glad you love it um and they're the nice surprises ways like sometimes you've maybe you've been in a picture too long and you're like oh, i'm just done i'm stopping but then someone goes oh my god that's my favorite thing that's really satisfying <laughs> that's really nice though. it's nice to see how people engage and react to your work um, in the real life as well especially i think that's really important i think sometimes I, I personally feel like a lot of artists, you know, myself included, we rely on social media for reach, but actually being in the flesh with your work, engaging with the public, like that's probably the best way to understand how your work is seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would encourage, I mean, I've only really started doing that in the last couple of years and obviously lockdown stopped, you know, delayed the, that progress. But I think to put yourself in those environments and to hear that feedback. And I think it does give, it will give any artist some level of confidence to go, okay, what I'm doing is right. And it's that, and I think you need confidence to produce as well. You can't just do it from that place of self-doubt. You have to have some belief in what you're doing. And to hear that from other people, I think it's not a hard, it, I think it's really important. I think it's really important whether you've, you're dependent on the validation or not, it can only help because when someone says they like something, that's true. Yeah. It's an ego thing, right? Let's be honest. It's going to make you feel good. And of there's course. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, you miss I mean, obviously you must think it's good because you created it, you know, you produced it, you actually took the time to display it. So you must think it has some kind of value. To yeah, somebody, absolutely. Somewhere. So. Again, I had another piece of advice in the past, and I do think about this a lot. Actually, this comes 
was up a lot in those difficult moments where the advice was kind of like, you know, you're going to know as an artist, you know, when you're producing something or when you finish something, you're going to know if it's, if A, if you think it's good and if you like it um, and you, you will feel some kind of affinity to it because it's, you know, it's a part of you and you're being authentic to yourself and producing that work. And so, but if you're producing something and you'll be like, oh, it's all right, then, you know, you should ask yourself, well, is this good enough to actually go out there and show? Um, are you asking yourself the right questions? Are you doing yourself justice? Are you doing the best that you can? That's really good advice. And I feel like that's probably going to be like your <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> so three more questions. So, does artistic freedom exist? Yeah, I think it. I think, um, I think a lot of the motivation of a lot of artists is to have that freedom, is to break through any of life's restrictions, moles, and it is it's, it's an expressive medium, and I think inherently has an element of freedom to it, and I think. It's up to the individual artist to narrow their, how can I put it, you know, to, to go down a narrow path or feel free enough to go, actually, I'm going to do something outrageous and weird. And I'll do that. I mean, weird is a weird word because that can mean anything. That can mean different things to different people. Um, but I think as an artist, you have to have, you have to infer your own artistic merit onto something, you know, whether it's the most abstract work, whether it's a, you know, if a performance art piece or whatever, it could, if you can apply, if you can apply meaning to expressing yourself in some way, and you can explain that to someone in a way that they can understand. I think that's fine. And I, and you know, it's you know, beauty in the eye of you know is in the eye of the beholder. There's a little bit of that. And you, whatever you, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's. I think you should have the freedom to create, and if it feels authentic to you as a creator, then that's fine. And you've got to be happy with the fact that not everyone's going to get it, but that's not, that's not necessarily the point. That's very true. Um, so what would your younger self think about your work? I think my younger self would like it because I am, I've pulled together all the things I've liked doing throughout my life and bringing that into my artwork. So I think, my younger self would appreciate it because it, it, I'm doing all the things my younger self would have liked to have done. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm good with that. So the last question, double borrow question, which is uh, what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Okay. I am working on a few things and I've just finished some, uh, some very small kind of postcard sized pieces of, of basically laundrette tumble dryers washing machines tumble dryers they actually tumble dryers yes. um, <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> i saw that, that post and uh <laughs> it's something i had on my mind for ages i was like okay what can i do 
got to do something with this. It's a bit weird. And normally it's not, I do the landscapes and this is one of those, this is an object. And there was a, I'm part of ArtCan, which is a great organization. And they have this fundraiser every year where you create a postcard sized piece of work. And I was like, right, this is it. This is my way to do this. So I've made 10 of them. I gave one away to the fundraiser. That was actually last night. It sold before the fundraiser even started. So that was lovely. And um, so I've made like another nine or 10 of those in different colorways. So I'm going to frame them up and sell them um, as a kind of low price price point thing. I'm just, I just, I don't know. It's still got palm trees. So I figure it's, I figure it's fine. Um, I've got two big pieces I'm working on both London based. So I've, these are kind of like 50 by 70 centimeter pieces. So they're relatively big for me in the last year. Um, I'm hoping to show them later this year at hopefully I can get into uh, a couple of shows. That's my plan. Um, I want to finish those this summer. I've got a couple of smaller pieces as well. Again, probably based on this country. Um, I'm actually doing some traveling this summer for three weeks back in the US on the West Coast. And that's my like, I'm going to be taking a lot of photos and my I've got ideas about what I'm going to create there. I, in my mind, I've already got a vision of the types of photos I want to create. So it's been a while. And as soon as I get back, once I finish the immediate work, I'll be working on that stuff to show probably spring next year. I try and plan. It takes time. I've got a plan ahead. Yeah, okay. so that's 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 kind of what I'm doing right now, and I'm excited about the trip. I'm excited about just getting a whole fresh new load of source material. I've got a very good idea of how I'm going to execute it. I am pushing things on a little bit more. Um, I am going to rely a little bit more on paint as well. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, no, it's exciting. I think it's. Um, and hopefully doing something for another gallery as well. If I can pull that off, that'll be really happy. That'll be good for me. So yeah, lots of bits, lots of bits. That's really cool. And you can see my work. I think the best place to see my work is, you know, I do stories and posts on Instagram on a regular basis. So Anil Mystery Art, my website is up to date, analmysteryart.com with all the latest works for purchase. And I've got a newsletter I don't, I'm not spammy with it. I probably do that four times a year, once every quarter, if there is, or if a significant event is coming up, I will build it all together. And usually there I will show off work before it goes on any other social media. I do giveaways. I will do competitions. So sign up. Yeah. That's cool. That's perfect. Well, Anil, thank you so much for your time. Like, so, um, so thank really you. I, I, you know, I likewise, I, I'm, I'm glad to spend the time with you and, to talk about this stuff. That concludes my conversation and all mystery. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitball at gmail.com or please get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruitball podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. If you like the show, 
please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitworld.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page where tiers start from £1. For £1 a month, you can get rewards such as early access to interviews, behind the scenes footage, weekly created YouTube videos, and the chance to ask interview questions on our next podcast. If the donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal. The link to that should be in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Flying Fruit Bowl today. Until next time, folks, please stay safe.